people, it's your girl, Frederica McClary Easley, back with another episode of Bum 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 Bum. The people are blunt. Let me do housekeeping because I really want to dig into this conversation. So I don't want to waste your time uh, nor mine. So here we go. Y'all already know we are on all the platforms YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Prime. Um, please check us out. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, do all of the good stuff, share. Uh, but do those things to let us know that you are out there and you are paying attention to the content, the people's ecosystem. Go check us out. So I say this all the time, but y'all know we have CBD and THC products. So if you are in Cali, you can get our Tulsi treats. Um, and if you are not, if you are other places that may not be regulated and all that good stuff because of restrictions, we have CBD products as well. Um, and in terms of our OG merch, I'm just going to show you one. But I said this last time, like we have some new designs that are going to be coming out. And so what you want to do is show that you've been down since day one. And so you want to get your um, original OG merch before the new stuff comes out. So um, follow us as on, follow us on IG, the people's cannabis, people.cannabis. And in terms of Tosi Treats, we are at www.tosytreats.com. And without further ado, I have Nurse Ivory in the building. Hey, lady. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I am well. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. No, thank you. Like, um, this is something that our paths have crossed a number <laughs> of times. And we have discussed this. And I'm like, yo. We gotta Let's get, get it together. done. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We gotta get it. Gotta get it together. So, do me a favor for those who may not be familiar with you. Um, introduce yourself, and then we're gonna we're gonna dig into it. Absolutely. So, I am Nurse Ivory. I am located in Louisiana. Um, I'm the co-founder of Cannabis Nurses of Color. Um, so, we are an organization. Um, I co-founded that organization with um, the lovely Sandra Gwines. Hey, um, and we educate, advocate, yes. We um, educate, advocate, and train um, BIPOC nurses to be ready for whatever this is that's coming in this cannabis space, but to be ready to serve our communities. Um, I also have my own consulting firm where I do a lot of healthcare consulting, not, not so much specifically um, yet related into cannabis, um, a few things, a few little projects that are brewing, but I, I have a healthcare consulting firm where we do um, medical record reviews. Um, I, I really got into this space from a previous, from my previous employment because I knew it was going to cross paths with cannabis. And actually, just this week, I'm, I got a call and I'm seeing where um, my former work in um, work employment, which I was a workers comp nurse case management, where those opportunities are starting to come because we are seeing in the cannabis space where workers comp is pretty much the only insured. I hate to say only, but pretty much the only one that we are seeing some traction yes. in regards to them covering cannabis um, for medical conditions, or at least they're more prone to it. Few yes. states. We see they do cover medical insurance, you know, medical insurance is covered, but it's not as we want it to be. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So look, let's dig right into it. Let's get into the, let's get into the, uh, to the smoke, <laughs> to the bluntness. So yeah. when I met you and we were talking about, you know, cannabis nurses of color, my first reaction was, you know, why is this even necessary, right? Like mm -hmm. black women, we often create things to fill a need, right? To take care of something. Mm -hmm. And so why was it necessary to even found this, you know, to, to found this organization specifically for nurses of color? Well, it's just that, filling, filling a need. Here's the deal. Our community, black and brown communities are disproportionately plagued by this, by the war on drugs. Yeah. Nurses are the most trusted profession. So when we, and, and we are educators. So when you think when I, and I'm in the South, I'm in the deep South, Louisiana. So when you think about people like my mama, like to say I'm in this space, my mom, my mom does not want to hear anything about cannabis. She don't want to hear about anything about cream or tincture or anything. And I get that. I got to meet her. Yes. 
Yes, I got to meet her where she is. But I think about the day when a few years from now, hopefully, first of all, her doctor is not even recommending it, doesn't even talk to her about it. So she can go to her doctor month after month after month. She, she A, is not about to go ask for no marijuana, weed. <laughs> That's number one. Right. And number two, that doctor is not going to see the need to give a 79-year-old black Bible Belt female weed. Well, we have to change that. You know what I'm saying? So, so who best to do that? So I envision a world to where down the road, you know, when we get ready to go reach those type of grandmas, aunties, you know, whoever it is, our sister circles, people in our, our sisters or whoever, they are going to trust women, people who look like them. So it's so important for for us to be able to be able to be prepared to reach our communities. And that's the space in, um, that's going to need us and that's going to depend on us. So several points you brought up that are like so spot on. You and your co-founder are at different ends of the spectrum, right? Because mm -hmm. you're in Louisiana and Sandra is in California, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, I guess it gives you kind of like a, a, a purview into what could be mm -hmm. versus where Louisiana is. Um, and let's talk about where Louisiana is, right? Because I understand like Louisiana just has medical. Correct. And so what's going on with the medical program? So Louisiana is interesting and I guess I'm hopeful, but <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because we we are seeing some thought processes change, but you know, change doesn't occur in a vacuum and it doesn't happen overnight. Yes. But I even had a chance to speak with a legislator this last session. And, and it's interesting because I think Mississippi, of all places, Mississippi, I think is going to help get Louisiana where it needs to be because they recognize competition. And, and if you follow in, and I don't know all of the, I try to keep up real close with Mississippi, but they got so much going on. I can't it's even keep a lot. up. It's a lot. And it's so interesting that it's happening in Mississippi and really how Mississippi even got to where they got. Yeah. But the point is, is that I think that state is, is going to propel Louisiana and it's making people say, okay, look, either you can get your mind right and, and get on this thing, or you can see your money going across to another state, the neighboring state, or you yeah. can figure out a way to make this thing affordable, make it accessible. Yeah. And we made a little progress last session, of course, not where we needed to be, but it's a continuing work in progress. I mean, and you know, that's, that's been, I guess, the trend, right? Um, is that one, that's tax revenue. People want, you know, states want the money. Um, definitely after the pandemic, we saw an influx of states that finally decided to regulate. But also, like you said, that competition is like, we don't want to be mm -hmm. the last because mm -hmm. it's not just about the tax revenue, but it's also about, that uh, the young demographic, right? Like when people are deciding post-college where mm -hmm. they're going to go, you know, exactly. what areas, what states um, are, you know, sexy to them, you know, seem mm -hmm. reasonable to them. We know very much so for, for the millennial generation and, and, and that beyond that cannabis is an issue or is more normal in that mm -hmm. grouping. Mm-hmm. So and in, and, in, and in Louisiana, and I, I will be on case okay, twenty twenty three. I can't remember the years due Girl, to COVID. It's we already almost in February, but twenty three. <laughs> like I feel like we just stepped into it. Yes, but I want to say it was either the early part of twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. I actually sent an email to the Department of Pharmacy uh, because in Louisiana that they. We don't have dispensaries. We have pharmacies, medical pharmacies, mm -hmm. and they're all nine of them are owned and operated um, by a pharmacist. Um, and I emailed the board of pharmacists to say to ask, what are our demographics? And our demographics at the time, meaning using utilizing the program, yes. it was mainly elderly, elderly, of course, Caucasian. Male and female, and I want to say I can't remember whether male or female was the was the highest, but it was elderly. So you make a good point when you say what's going to attract our generation. Now, I don't know if those results have flipped. I do need yeah. to request the more current 
current results to see, but that's a good point you made. You know, so this is also the funny thing I would say about cannabis, because when you look at medical programs in terms of who um, who is registered with a medical card. Right. And this is mm -hmm. this is coast to coast, you know, whatever state has a regulated um, program versus traditional cannabis culture. And then also in terms of like who owns we know that a majority of the industry is owned by white men, mm -hmm. right? We know that a majority of medical car holders are white men, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but we know in terms of the culture, it is black, Latinx, and indigenous people. Like we know cannabis culture in and of itself is more diverse than this. Mm -hmm. So that that's also interesting to me, you know, and mm -hmm. there's something, there's something to that. There's something to that, which brings me to my question to you. Uh, because as a as a medical practitioner, as a nurse, um, and you all spend the majority of time with patients. Mm -hmm. When Louisiana first went into medical, um, what were your experiences with that in terms of like people you talked to? Like were people warm? Did you find that everyone was interested in it or? How did, you know, how were those conversations? Nobody was talking. So how, this is, this is, this is how I got into this. I had a patient when I was working in workers' comp and my mm -hmm. patient was doing some type of heavy machinery work. And um, he wanted to, he was in a high, you know, um, high paying job yes. and been on that job forever. He wanted to return to it, but it was, it was heavy machinery. Um, and he was on opioids. The opioids mm. were not effective. This man had had multiple back surgeries and you know, most people won't even let you cut on them one time, but he had had multiple back surgeries. And even with that opioids, one of the opioids he was on, it was called, it wasn't, it wasn't working with his blood pressure. It was causing blood. It was so many issues. And I remember, um, I, I went to the doctor's appointment with him and in his notes, and I think I posted this somewhere a year a while back. In his notes, the doctor actually wrote in the note, basically, we're part of the plan. We're we're um renewing um the medication, but it's noted in the chart that it wasn't that the medication wasn't effective. And so I remember my patient asking me, he was like, I've been seeing on the news about medical marijuana, and you know, I want to know if that's something that will help me. And I'm like I don't know. <laughs> don't know nothing about it. But he asked me about it again. So it was my job to then go and dig for it. Yeah. And as I got digging and I called the, my board, the state board of nursing, nobody knew. They directed me to the Louisiana Hospital Association. I contacted them. They gave me some hogwash. It was just, but through that process of digging, I was like, there is no way that this is not going to touch my end industry. There's no way it's not going to touch healthcare. There's no way it's not going to touch nursing. And that's really what made me dive in and really start thinking about it and, and looking at it because I was like, it's something to this. So to answer your question, nobody was not talking. And even to this day, really, I don't hear a bunch of talking. You know, I, I don't. When I gave you those demographics earlier, it makes me wonder those people who are utilizing the program, how do they know? Yeah. Like, who, who, so either they're a doctor it's telling them about it or either they're finding out like it's just it's interesting and i'm not hearing a bunch of um minorities or black people talking about this medical program because i don't know if it's because of the provider or what it is but nobody was talking that actually brings me to my next point of why i was passionate um this last legislative session about getting nurse practitioners so that was a plus getting nurse pra now we well, it is passed in the law, but it's not all the way the rules haven't well, been we, put in place yet. We know yet. theory to practice. We know theory to practice. It takes some time for the two to meet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but nurse soon, nurse practitioners in our state will be allowed to do medical records, uh, medical um, cannabis evals, and that is huge. That is huge when you think about the rural areas. That is huge when you think about. Um, you know, people who don't have access to health care, yeah. who may go to a um, disadvantaged 
um, clinic or something where people who are typically not educated on this type of medicine, that the next issue will be the cost once yeah. they get that recommendation. But just the fact that not only do we have nurse practitioners now allowed in our state, maybe the only, you probably know, but we also got it to where medical psychologists are also um, now going to be allowed to um, recommend medical cannabis. So that's, that's huge because, you know, initially it was just primary care physicians, right? Or your mm -hmm. doctors. And so we know when we're talking about uh, marginalized communities, you know, getting a doctor's appointment, that, that's a hurdle. And mm -hmm. then having that doctor to, um, to hear you, to believe you, to, you know, um, to, even, to even engage with this. To your point, people aren't really mm -hmm. talking about it. But to even engage, that's another hurdle. So those are all big developments. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and just getting through the maze, getting through healthcare. When I first started out, my my actual um, name that I use in cannabis is Louisiana um, Cannabis Nurse Navigator. Because as I, my background as a case manager is really to navigate people yes. through the healthcare space to get right. them from one point to to the next point and and hopefully we're getting to that point to where once we get more access um in the system um and i know it's some universities are trying to do a little bit of outreach but even our rules in this state um limit yeah the, the type and the amount of education that even the two we only have two growers <laughs> in the whole state but it limits in the whole state two universities what yeah. was it like was is it lsu LSU um, and Southern University. Okay, are the, are the two growers in the state? Okay. Yeah, it's unbelievable, but yep, that's what it is. <laughs> you looking like? Are you serious? <laughs> because Louisiana is big, right? So I'm yeah. just thinking about. I'm thinking about access. I'm thinking about you know quality. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about you know opportunity. If we're if we're if we're thinking about places where there is land. Mm. For cultivation, mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about black farmers. You know what I mean. I'm thinking about all of those things. So to hear that for the state, there's only two, and that I don't know. It's just really interesting to me because when you, when they're regulating, right, and they always start with medical, right. So when we're regulating, why are these other things not taken into consideration to make sure that you know we are positioning. Um, people in those communities that have been impacted in positions of power. And I think it's, I know this sounds cliche, it's steps, it's levels to everything. Yeah. I People in Louisiana, I'm surprised we even got a program. So, so <laughs> slow clap. So that's one, that's one thing. The other thing is, I do think that that conversation will eventually come. I remember um, attending some legislative sessions where some of the black formers did do, you know, they did testify. So I think that they are aware yes. of the possibilities and opportunities there. It's just getting to, it's just getting to that point. Of course, yeah. Louisiana does not have a social equity program. So, you know, if, if we did, or if there was any, thought or consideration around that, then some of those questions would be answered if there was if there was a desire for social equity. Um, but eventually, I'm hoping that that will eventually come because we see some of that conversation in some of the federal bills. So I'm hoping yes. that if we ever get to the point where some of that language is passed, that we will eventually get a social equity uh, program or we'll at least be incentivated to get a, a social equity program and then maybe we'll start seeing like some of the black farmers being brought in and things like that you know that brings up another point um or piece i want to kind of get into because what we see often is because we're still federally um schedule one federally illegal like i tell people they try and say oh cannabis is legal i'm like no 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 Cannabis is regulated in some areas, right. but it is still illegal. Like federally, mm -hmm. it is still recognized as a schedule one substance on the same bar as, as heroin and crack. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which is mind blowing, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the complexities of having states regulate um, and with it still being illegal at the federal level, I wonder, um, in your experience, like what, 
what complexities this introduces and how I guess you know states or systems take advantage of this gray space that we're in you know I don't know I really don't that's one of the reasons why if you remember um I think that was last year around October um uh, President Biden came out with like an executive order uh, it was like a three-point executive with order. Those pardons that was yeah, right one of them, the election. Yes. Well, and, and so this is what I always say. You know, we got into this war on drugs. It was political, and it's mm -hmm. gonna be political getting us out. Hands. I keep I keep telling people if I had a crystal ball, what I see is two years from now. Well, not even quite two years, but next year is re-election. So that's October. So I expect another October surprise next year and hopefully the october surprise next year will be answering the question to the third part of that um executive order where he calls for the department of um justice and health and human services mm -hmm. to do an administrative review well yes. we already know what the answer should be yes because this has already been answered right um but that out of that i think that that executive order got mixed in with politics because should it should should the partners have gone further we could go back and forth on that yeah but to me the biggest deal from that was the number three and that was the the administrative review so mm -hmm. to answer to to go back to your question about you know the gray area i don't trust these states <laughs> to do what they supposed to do especially not the state i'm in and so i think about the states across the south when you think about texas georgia those states are not going to do nothing unless they are federally required yeah. to. Yeah. So that's what I am hopeful for and trying to be more that I'm hoping that we get some traction with that because that only requires one vote or one, not even a vote, but one signature of approval yeah. and not 60. So yeah. I'm just, I don't know what you hearing about that. Cause I'm thinking that that's, I'm looking forward to that piece. Look, um, I am from New York but I live in Texas. So I am also girl. <laughs> oh my God. I don't think I know you were in Texas. Girl, because I mean it ain't so it's not something I broadcast. I mean, you know, I, I reside here. I am not a Texan. Okay. I do not claim it. I reside here. It's not what I lead with, like, oh hey, I'm Rika. Yeah, girl, I'm in Texas. No, that's not. Oh that's not how we are we doing it um but you know i mean so so in terms of you know i, I live in austin right so austin is kind of similar to uh new orleans or like uh -huh. you know what uh -huh. i'm saying in louisiana so you have these like kind of uh -huh. like liberal blue cities that are in these red states um uh -huh. not to get you know too political um but it so you know it's very interesting and it's different but like Louisiana, I mean, Texas has a very limited medical program. Um, and in terms of, you know, being made to do something, look, Texas still Texas still feels like it's its own state. Like Texas is mm -hmm. like, we ain't really lose. And right. we still do what we want to do. Uh, hence them not even being on a national grid in terms of power. <laughs> so um, I don't really see Texas, you know, I mean, and Texas has oil money. So when you're looking at states that like actually need it, actually need the revenue um, and that being one of the motivations, mm -hmm. Texas ain't really got it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I mean, Texas is already kind of surrounded. I mean, you have New Mexico, you have Oklahoma, you have um, what other state touches, um, touches Texas. Now here I go being messed up with my, with my. Louisiana, uh, we on the. Right on the far east, on the, east, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I mean, so when you're looking at how Texas or where Texas um, falls geographically, mm -hmm. I mean, being on the Mexican border, being you know, being close or being on the Oklahoma, New Mexico, like none of that is enough, right? Mm -hmm. And there mm -hmm. were stories when New Mexico regulated about people, <laughs> about Texas, about mm -hmm. other people traveling to you know go to go to a dispensary and, and and get their goods um but i i honestly feel like texas is probably gonna be one of the last states i mean Absolutely. we have 
Yeah, like we have municipalities, like we have cities that are passing ordinances and things to decriminalize and trying to do what they can do. Um, but I feel like Texas is probably going to be, you know, and especially with the with the governor we have. Um, and so Texas is, is a prime exa example of states that's going to need federal. And guess what? Even if the even if it is rescheduled or descheduled. I don't think it's going to be D, but we could be hopeful. I think, I think re as well. I yeah, think I think even well. if it is rescheduled, Texas still probably is going to be one of those states states that go and sue and fight that. So oh, it yeah. probably still have to go to the Supreme Court and all of that. Oh yes. Oh no. Te no, Texas is not going down without a fight, baby. Okay, <laughs> Texas, Texas. Listen, and Texas is like Texas is going to take serious offense. To the federal government even trying to put them in a position of right. making them do something exactly and so texas is going to fight it mm -hmm. yeah but that's our best hope and we can see and i think uh, on the supreme court um of course i wouldn't remember his name right now but um a conservative um jurist he actually came out and said that it was time to consider or look at um cannabis legalization oh my god clarence clarence thomas, thomas. Mm -hmm. he said that he said that now don't quote me exactly what he, his yeah. words but his words basically had to do with he sounded like a proponent and and i don't know if that was like welcoming the the, the door opening the door for um a, a case i don't want to get that deep into it but right right <laughs> Uh, Texas is probably one of those states. Georgia may um, is probably one of those states that you know. If, even if we see some federal movement, they're gonna sue. So we might as well get ready for it. Listen, you know, in Texas, people didn't even know they was free until two years <laughs> after. <laughs> exactly, and that's not that's not funny at all. It's, oh my god, it's, it's not so funny, not but, funny it just, but it's true. It speaks to the craziness, though. It speaks mm -hmm. to the craziness of. You know, um, of, of of how they how this state wants to um, go to the beat of its own drum, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, speaking of craziness, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> McKinnon is so crazy because what we're seeing. Um, let me get your take on this because what we're seeing in some places is that it it is it is. Um, it's like quicksand kind of out here for nurses um, in terms of cannabis, um, in terms of even engaging um, and being able to, um, you know, keep your license, like, you know, like being at risk um, mm -hmm. in terms of how you engage with this, with this plant and even in states that are regulated. So, I mean, how, you know, how is that being navigated? And I guess I can ask you on a personal level, but also at the organization level, you know, when, because you all are advocates and you're educating. So how does that conversation even look? So it is quicksand. Um, and so one of the things I always tell nurses, I, you know, I strongly encourage them. One of the first things I, you know, encourage them to do is go to their state board of nursing go through okay so back in 2018 the what they call ncsbn the national state board i can't never remember the acronym and i don't think i had a thing in here but anyway it's the board that basically um is the 501c3 organization okay. that gives recommendations to all 50 state boards of nursing Okay. Well, in 2018, they released a comprehensive set of evidence-based guidelines that pretty much talks about the, you know, six essential principles of, you know, of what nurses should be, what nurses should be aware of and how nurses should, nurses should be aware of their state um, guidelines. They should be aware of federal guidelines. They should be knowledgeable. They shouldn't have judgment against patients that um, utilize cannabis. But what we're finding is that even though that strong evidence-based report came out in 2018, five years, almost five years ago, right? we don't see, we're not seeing where the State Board of Nurses have pretty much adopted those mm. regulations. In, act, in actuality, we kind of see the opposite. Um, and it really just depends on your state. So one of the things I always tell nurses is, first things first, 
don't call your board. Go do due diligence. Go to your state board of nurses. Most of the time, they, they post the minutes um, on their website. Scroll back as far as July of 2018 when the guidelines came out and see what, what if anything, has your board said about cannabis. And that'll just give you the mindset of what that board is 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 feeling or what their what their attitudes are toward um toward cannabis. I will say that's one of the reasons why I think that what, what we see a lot in CNOC and why we're passionate about getting the word out to nurses um, and getting the resources to them because that's one of the things that 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 helped me to dive in. Like even though yeah. my patient was asking about it, when I knew that the guy, when I knew that this board, the NCSBN, came out with these guidelines, I was like, okay, it's official. Something is going to happen. I, I, that was my card to really just dive in. So particularly nurse practitioners, because those will be the one. They are providers. Um, so those will be the ones that are talking and educating patients and family. We try to help them as best as they can, as well as total line with standing guideline with their boards. Um, you know, to learn as much as they can learn, be knowledgeable, get as much information um, that they can learn to kind of toe the line. But yes, um, we have unfortunately seen nurses that have been disciplined mm -hmm. because of their involvement, um, you know, in the cannabis space or whatever. Um, I'm hoping that soon we'll probably have a success story um, about, about one of our nurses um, that we work with closely. But it is it's problematic. It, it is. It is definitely. Um, it's definitely problematic. Nurses have to be careful how they talk. Um, you know how they talk about the plant, what they say, making sure that they're not promote. You know, it's just a lot that you have to be careful with in this space until the nursing bodies um, really come to the table and embrace it. That's another reason why I'm hopeful or I'm looking forward to the to the administrative review because yeah. if it's ever descheduled that's going to force some of these regulatory bodies to come to the table. Yeah. And it's not about if you like it or not, or if you agree with it, you know, it's a lot of stuff. I remember being a nurse uh, working on at a, at a trauma center and I used to have to, you know, if you had a patient that was, you know, near death or dying, they transferred out the ICU to my floor. Um, back then we used to have to push morphine and, you know, every three minutes, that was something that I wasn't kept, you know, to, because it was comfort measures at that point. Yes. And yes. I struggle with that. I struggle with that because we know that morphine is a respiratory depressant as well. And I'm like, I don't want you, you to take your last breath on me. It, it was just, but in that instance, as a nurse, it wasn't about my personal. It was my job was to keep this patient comfortable. Right. And was, so you just have yeah. to work with that. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, that also makes me think about like policy. I know you do a ton of work um, around policy. Um, and it was interesting to me, or it is interesting to me that um, in terms of the medical field, that there's really not a lot of attention being paid to um, as states are regulating, right? Medical programs but you know policies and or guidance to medical professionals about um about being knowledgeable about this right and it, it feels negligent to me to a certain degree that like you have a medical program but then those but the professionals who should be prescribing or who should be you know advising or at least having conversations about this there are no mandates for them to you know, get up to speed on all of this. So what, what, I mean, like, what do you, what do you have going on right now in terms of like policy work that you're engaged in? Um, and, and what are you advocating for? So like last legislative session in Louisiana, when, when it was at, when nurse practitioners were added, when now part of the process is nurse, the, the nursing board was nowhere at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually a very hilarious, um, testimony recording out there um that i watch every now and again if i just need a laugh but anyway it's really not funny but the nursing board was we, at we the, laugh through our pain though we <laughs> laugh through the pain we do because it's so ridiculous you know some of this stuff is so ridiculous and anyway they show up at the at the hearings after the bill has passed they offer no input 
you know, it was not at the table during the whole process. Um, but now, and I think that bill technically went in effect in August. Um, but here it is, we're in February now, and they're still working through the rules process. So I should know a little bit about a little bit more about that in the next two weeks. But the point is, is that some of the work that I like to do is the states that don't have nurse practitioners involved is to get them written. It's easier to get them written in, try to get them written in while the program, but now we, the, the, the horse is out of the gate. Yeah. So now you got to go back and add them. And then, so once you get them added, then most of the time that's when those guidelines are going to come because part of the rules that they're working on is how to educate, how to monitor, what forms the nurse, all of that stuff that should have been done four years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But Hey, here we are. Yeah. 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 And so if you're speaking to, I mean, there are still, you know, there are still states out there, right. Um, mm -hmm. That are working on like ballot initiatives or, or, or trying to work with their elected officials of push pushing the agenda of cannabis forward. And so what, what, what would be your advice to, you know, uh, nurses, nurse practitioners and in states where they still have not, you know, gotten over this hump yet. Um, but for them to start getting involved now and in trying to influence the process. And, you know, that would be my advice just to get in, just to, okay. to get in, into the table, get into the discussion. The discussions start before the legislative session actually starts. So like now, you know, legislators are, 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 are listening and hearing and then they would determine what bills they were bringing forth. And once I had a, a listening, you know, I had a legislative where I, I got into rooms. I knew, I recognized who was on the Senate, who was the, who was the chair of the Senate health, health committee, because yeah. I knew that any bill involving nurse practitioners, I knew the nurse practitioners who they report to or who have oversight. So I started following those particular people. And once I saw what rooms they were going to be in, I tried to get myself in the room. And then once I got in the rooms, I had a, you know, elevator pitch where I say, Hey, my name is Ivy, yada, 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 yada. This is what I'm advocating for. I am not a nurse practitioner. However, I am a cannabis nurse advocate and da, 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 da. Well, just so happened these legislators um they represent rural areas so they mm -hmm. already knew that they had a provider shortage issue and all of that and then once i had that ear and i got their card i then because they just they don't have time or they don't have a desire to do all that research so i shot them all on the information and then i let them know you know i could be a resource and you're not gonna know everything you know some stuff they asked me and i was like i don't know let me Find, let me get another resource. I had to go to normal and different organizations to get some statistics. But the, the part is to just get in the room and start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's no, the I main think, thing. I think uh, the preparedness, right, is one thing that we definitely can plug. Like, have your pitch together. So if your mm -hmm. pitch is, you know, regarding, um, you know, is if your pitch is the fact that, um, look, you know, people are using this. You feel like this is a health and safety issue for you, you know, for you not to, for there not to be steps to make sure that people are knowledgeable about it. Um, whatever that may be, you know, if you're in an area where, you know, there are shortages, if you recognize, you know, if you recognize the need, uh, elderly, whatever, you know, maybe you're in an area where there is an opioid epidemic because, you know, we can mm -hmm. call it that. Crack wasn't an mm -hmm. epidemic, but opioids are. So if you're in an area that mm -hmm. has an epidemic, um, but just have your, you know, but just have your pitch together in terms mm -hmm. of what angle you're coming from. And I think secondly, being a resource, like no one expects you yeah. to know everything. A lot of times we assume mm -hmm. that politicians know it, but honestly, they do not. They mm -mm. No, they don't. And they're not, that, that's why you're helpful. You want right. to be that, you want to be that, um, you want to be able to lead them and guide them because guess what? Once people start seeing that they are that they are advocate for cannabis, they're gonna have just as many people on the opposition coming to them with other stuff. So you want to be able to continue to have that conversation to be like, let me get you whatever you need in order to you know move it to the next point. Or if you have a question about something, or if you see something, at least come back and ask or shoot me a, a text or something to say what what is this to be able to, you know, be able to explain and because everybody is not for cannabis legalization. 
Yeah. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we still we still have the idea that it is the devil's lettuce um, mm -hmm. out here. Um, and as you know, yeah, there are a number of divides with it. So, um, well, Nurse Ivory, before we get out of here, what do you want to leave the people with? Oh, my God. You know what? I recently read, I think, this op-ed by Steph, um, the founder of Americans for Safe Access. Yes. And it was just, it hit the nail with what's going on right now. And basically, I think in her thing, it said, now we're moving to Act 2. Yeah. Like, I know last year, everybody, it was like, you know, we got so upset. It was, it's a lot of emotional toy. It's a lot going on and a lot of debate between safe banking and not. And it, it, it just, you can feel it in the industry. Yeah. And now, you know, when I read her op-ed, I think it was pitch perfect because it basically said, listen, this is our, this is our moment, right? I don't know what's about to happen, but it feels like something, something is near and we only got one shot to get it right, really. Because if we mess it up now, I'm not gonna say it can't ever be fixed, but hell, it probably take 15 more years to get it to get it fixed. And so I'm just I'm just so energetic. Yeah. I am so excited about whatever it is that that's 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 coming um in the industry. And so that's what I want to leave people. Get ready for act two, whatever that is, however we get we get prepared and get in position, that's that's where we are. Um, I think that that's perfect. I think a lot of times uh, people don't realize that at least regulated can cannabis is still in infancy. And mm -hmm. so, yes, it feels like um, we've been fighting for a long time. And we have, right? Like a lot mm -hmm. of us have been fighting for a long time just in terms of like prohibition. But in terms of this space, mm -hmm. we we kind of just starting, you know? Yeah. And so... Um, you have to get involved, right? Like they said, if you're not at the table, then you on the menu. Oh my God, yes. And that, let me say this too. Now that we see FDA, because I keep saying, you know, I am watching FDA. Mm -hmm. FDA, FDA, because even though it's exciting to see like it's some federal movement, it's scary to see that the FDA is just running loose over there on their own and it don't really feel like... And I just feel like that's part of what we need to be watching. That's part of where we need to be having a voice because we don't want the FDA just making their own decisions on their own with no input from. Well, they from don't punt it, but the FDA don't punt it. The FDA said we are not uh, Congress. We want you to I help us. That. You saw that they didn't punt it. I don't know what I make of that because see, here's the deal. The FDA, they went and hired all these people because I, I kept watching like, okay, y'all done started a committee, a, a, a products committee. Y'all got y'all people in place and then they punt. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just optimistic. I'm kind of glad they punted in a way too. You know, because now, you know, it forces, they basically saying, okay, it's your ball. What? Well, okay. So I love your optimism. My <laughs> You know, my first my first mind was like for real for real because to your point so much time and money has gone into um their efforts of of trying to you know or of the charge for them to release guidance right mm -hmm. so we already have products out there cbd everything i mean we got stuff in cbs nowadays mm -hmm. and so um time and, and things have gone to or been allotted to the FDA for them to come up with these guidance measures, right? These procedures. And so it's like in the 25th hour, now y'all punting. Now you're saying that like the, the, the structure you have or ways in which you analyze, you know, other materials. Other, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do but, that. With but this. this is why I'm, I'm, why I'm saying I'm optimistic about it because what that tell it's like when a teacher says, okay, Either you're going to get an F or I can let you, I'm going to punt this paper back to you and then we could try to work it out, try to help you. Because I'm if FDA was confident and could yeah. do it and do it what we feel like, they would have done it. So but I that's, feel like if they but that's my thing. I That's my thing, Ivory. My thing is you mofos knew. <laughs> 
Okay. Y'all knew a minute ago yeah. that y'all did not or could not do this. Well, yeah, I, and, I, I agree with that. And it wasn't until this pressure started mounting because mm -hmm. a lot of leaders were um, writing letters to them and, mm -hmm. you know, issuing statements about, you know, them essentially dropping the ball. Like, where's the productivity? Mm -hmm. So, so that's my thing. My thing yeah. is like, I already knew this. Mm -hmm. And now that the pressure is mounting, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Well, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and punt this. Mm -hmm. um, the, my, it, my, my thing is, is that literally people's wellness is on the line here, right? Like people's wellness and their lives are on the line. Um, and so we can't take that lightly, you know, we can't take that lightly. So that was my only thing. Like, yes, look, you don't want to do it. Cool. Just say, but you know what? This is, a, this is the other thing I, um, and you know, you said I'm optimistic. Okay. I'm optimistic, but and we need people like you. <laughs> okay. But here's the other thing that, here's the other thing that I'm watching too. There's a lot going on. Okay. First of all, the government is always going to consider cannabis, in my opinion, to be like a substance, a substance. Yes. It's, it's never going to be considered medicine per se or a plant to them. That's that's one. Two, what I'm seeing a lot, because I deal a lot with addiction medicine and the yeah. opioid. And as you stated earlier, it's a ton of resources going to opioid um, use disorder mm -hmm. but or just the opioid um, crisis that we're having. Mm hmm. And so as far as the, the um, I want to say it's the Office of Drug Policy, mm -hmm. um, um, DEA, uh, um, the National Institute of Drug something, NIDA, I believe, mm -hmm. I can't remember the acronym. But I'll, it's a lot of conversation actually going on right now around drug policy, a broader drug policy. It's mm -hmm. a lot. Like if you um, if you look at what, what the, the movement, they just had some real big news come out about you know what they're doing uh with the opioid use and how they've ended x waiver and all this other kind of stuff but i am seeing that these people are at the table so that i don't know to me i could be wrong we'll see i'll come back we'll talk about it um once we know more about it but i'm just kind of glad that the fda is not in a room by them by themselves and make the decision especially now that they didn't release the guidelines and we already know what their thought process is because they the paper that they put out they told us what they was thinking and we don't yeah. agree with it so pun it I, you know, I, so that part I do agree with, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they're not in the room, not isolated and just up here trying to, trying to figure everything out. Um, you know, a part of it is, I guess the, 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 the cynic in me and just like, um, yeah, I guess the cynic in me that's like, okay, so mm -hmm. as long as we attach this to, opioids or we attach this to this yeah then you could get your attention and we can you know and we can move forward and also the reality is and i mean we're just gonna call a spade a spade is that we know um we know that we're in a country where our justice system um makes money Mm -hmm. And we know how many arrests, we know how many people are in jail and over the course of cannabis prohibition have been sentenced um, for minor, you know, cannabis infractions, whether it was selling or, or, or consumption, um, hence the pardons that, you know, President Biden um, issued um, at the end of 2022. Um, and so we know that, you know, there's a lot of complexities there. So when we're looking at the DEA and, you know, they released at the end of last year, um, <laughs> you know, what we already knew, but they, you know, finally acknowledged like, oh, right. we've been racist about this. <laughs> and um, this is the history and the founding of cannabis prohibition and this whole war on drugs. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we know, um, but what are we doing and how quickly are we going to do it? So mm -hmm. look, I'm with you. We look, we need the balance, right? Cause there's people like me, that side eyeing everything like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we do need, we need the joy. We need the sunshine. Ivory. We need you out here. Like it's okay. 
<laughs> well, now that they done pulled at the ball, it's like, okay, now let's get to it. What's, ne yeah. what's, what's next? Now, now yeah. don't just pump the ball and then we waiting another two years. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like you said, it's people, health and wellness on the line. And that's that's serious, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that they need to take this as serious as they would take any other drug or medication or medicine serious and so that's our job as advocates as you said to hold that pressure to get that yeah. pressure back on them so yeah yeah we'll um i want them to take this as serious as they take opioids so opioids is an epidemic right you up here a lot in revenue from cannabis mm -hmm. sales to uh and using the plant to help to 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 cure and help to um uh to help lessen you know the mm -hmm. symptoms and and the transition um, from from that substance. So I want you to do the same thing. I want you to meet it with this kind of urgency. But before I let you go, because look, we were supposed to wrap up and then we didn't already look. Started back again. Listen, <laughs> this is how it goes. This is how it goes. Um, so uh I'm gonna put in the ticker real quick how people can stay connected with you and um and read your commentary and, and see what um what is giving you hope. And what is giving you <laughs> reasons to be optimistic? <laughs> so LinkedIn and YouTube, y'all, Nurse Ivory or Nurse Ivory 9673. Um, stay connected and holla at um holla at Nurse Ivory. And if you are in a, a location, if any if anyone is a nurse practitioner um or a nurse and they are in a state um yeah. and they are seeking to you know get involved and maybe start their own chapter of the association are those also good places to holler at you holler at me we don't have chapters yet but we okay. are trying to do touch points in each of the regions so okay. that we can spread out and get the word out so by all means if you are if you are remotely interested in cannabis if you want more information yeah holler at me and then we can get hooked up perfect and then last but not least, again, people, we are on all the platforms. Y'all see it down below. I'm not going to repeat it again. Um, so please make sure you like, subscribe, and do all the good stuff. Um, and you already know what it is. Stay blunt. Be blunt. Um, and stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Check your wellness, people. Um, until next time, we out. <laughs>